Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. Don't you be seated. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we do. We love you. We trust you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. We thank you for this room to gather to sing your praises. And we invite your Holy Spirit now to speak to our hearts, to move us, to mold us, to shape us, to change us, and the men and women you have created us to be. We love you. We thank you for this time. We invite you into our hearts. And may we never be the same because of what you bring to us today. We love you. We thank you. In your son's name, amen. 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 Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here. If you're a guest today, uh, my name is Trey Kelly. I'm lead pastor here. And we're honored, honored that you're with us. We are in the middle of a series we started last week. This series is called Family Tree. And if you, if you weren't here last week, I, I said, one of the things I love about this series is that it is universal. All of us come from somewhere. We all come from someone. Now, some of us know a lot more about our family trees than others. Uh, some of us have large family trees. Some of us have very small family trees. Some of us actually change family trees at some point in our upbringing. But we all come from somewhere. And what we started talking about last week is the fact that nothing shapes our present more than our past, specifically the family trees we grew up in. Because before we were even aware we were being shaped, before we were even aware we were being molded, we were learning. We were learning good things. We were learning bad things. We were creating messages. We were creating narratives about how the world works and how we work and how we feel valuable. And so what we're doing for the next few weeks is we're spending some time just kind of sitting in that truth. And asking Jesus to take us back to begin to sort of unwrap those messages, those narratives that we learned in the past. And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to highly encourage you. If you don't have it already, grab our app. It's a great way to stay connected with us. Um, And also, you can go back and can see where we went last week. Because we covered a lot of content last week. But basically, we ended last week with a challenge. It was a a question. And I told you we'd pick back up right there today, and that's what we're going to do. But, but as, we, as we wrapped up last week, I asked you to begin praying about asking this question. What is my family tree growing in me? That's it. Just to simply begin to be open. To, okay, what are the messages? What are the narratives? What, what did I pick up that is affecting my present that I still may not even be aware of? And I told you we'd pick back up here today, and that's what we're going to do. We're actually going to learn today how to do that. But before we get there, I want to kind of tell a story to get us started, because I know in a room like this, some of you, maybe even over the week, you're like, man, what is the value of looking back? Why do I have to do this? Maybe you're a guest today. Maybe it's your first time. And you're like, man, why would we spend time looking back? Why would we talk about this in church? Why does does my family tree matter? Why does... Uh, the way I was raised affect my present. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person now. I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm a mom. I've got this figured out. I, I don't need to go back. And look, I, I get it. I get it. If that's how you feel in the moment. I'd love to tell you a story about a man named Jacob and his 12 sons. Um, yeah, 12 sons, a lot. Big families back then. This is a real story. It's a real family. 
They lived thousands and thousands of years ago. And something interesting happened with these 12 sons. Um, Ten of them were out in their fields working one day, working in dad's business. And dad sent the second youngest, a kid named Joseph, to go check on his big brothers, which is always a great idea. When you send the youngest, go see what your older siblings are doing. That never turns out poorly, but we keep trying it. And so he sends Joseph to check out the 10 brothers, see if they're really working, see if they're really doing what they're supposed to do. Well, these 10 brothers, they see Joseph coming. They see him a long way off, and, and, and they, spoiler alert, don't care for Joseph. He's, he's the youngest. He's there to tattle. But this is where it gets a little extreme. They see him coming, and they immediately look at each other, and they say, here comes Joseph. Let's kill him. <laughs> and if you're like, that, that escalated quickly. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And all the brothers are like, yeah, let's kill him. One of the brothers speaks up. Man, we can't kill him. We, we, we can't do that. Here's what we'll do. We will sell him into slavery which is exactly what they did. When the little brother gets there, Joseph, they throw him in a pit. They leave him there. They mock him. They wait for some slave traders to come by. They sell him into slavery. The slavers take him to Egypt. They take a coat he has that his dad had given him. We'll get to the coat in a minute. They kill a wild animal. They cover the coat in animal blood, and then they go home, and they say, Dad, we're so sorry. We found this coat covered in animal's blood. Clearly an animal attacked Joseph, and he's dead. That's the end of the story. <laughs> I'll tell you that story because you, you, you hear that, and you're like, what happened? What leads... Ten brothers to be so callous and care so little about a brother that they would sell him into captivity and then would go back to their dad, manning Jacob, and lie to their dad, deceive their dad into believing that Joseph was dead. What, what, what would cause that to happen? Well, let me give you some context. These 12 brothers had one father, Jacob, that they had four different mothers. That's always healthy. <laughs> Jacob had two wives, and he also had children with the two wives' maids. And so of these sons, they had four different mothers. Jacob had one favorite amongst the four women, and her name was Rachel, was his second wife. And Rachel happened to be the mother of Joseph. And so since Jacob had a favorite wife, he also had a favorite son. Joseph was his favorite son. His 11th son was his favorite son. That means 10 sons heard over and over and over and over and over. You don't measure up to him. I care about him more than he care about you. So much so that Jacob had actually given Joseph a beautiful coat as a gift for his 17th birthday. It was his coat he was wearing that the brothers stole, the brothers covered in blood and lied to their dad about. And I hear you're saying, okay, yeah, that, that's a little dysfunctional, but, but sibling rivalry, deceit, where does that come from? What if I were to tell you that their dad, Jacob, was a very well-documented liar his entire life? He had been a liar. Again, you can read the book of Genesis. It's recorded for us. 
Um, Jacob had learned it honestly. His father, Isaac, also a liar. His father, Isaac, also had a favorite son. And you think, well, I wonder where Isaac learned that from. Well, Isaac's father, Abraham, also a liar. Isaac's father, Abraham, also had a favorite son. And so Isaac grew up in a home where we lied. There was a favorite, and there was actually sibling rivalry. Which meant when Isaac was raising Jacob and his brother, he led Jacob to believe it was okay to not be honest and for there to be favoritism and sibling rivalries. And so that means when Jacob was given 12 sons, it made perfect sense to be dishonest and to have sibling rivalries and to have a favorite. So it meant absolutely nothing. It didn't even occur to the 10 sons to do anything but have sibling rivalry and take matters into their own hands and do what they wanted and lie to dad. You know why? Because they assumed that this is how the world works. Why? Because this is how my family works. It was baked into the cake, man. These boys' great-grandpa lied when it was convenient. And what's fascinating is Abraham didn't lie often. He just lied a few times at crucial moments. Then his son Isaac lied a little more. And then his grandson Jacob lied a little more. To where we get to our story today, 12 brothers, and nothing. Because that's how their world works. Because that was how their family works. So I'll tell you that story. I think there's nothing more relevant to us today than the pattern we see in that story. I know some of you, you're like, wait, you think I'm going to sell my brother? (laughs) No. No. But there are things in your life, and there are things in my life that we picked up along the way from our parents and our grandparents or our aunts or our uncles, from biological parents, from adopted parents, from foster parents, whatever environment you grew up in. There was an authority figure and there were messages. There were lessons. There were truths about how the world works because that was how that environment worked. And the entire point of our series is to ask God's Holy Spirit to just simply make clear to us what those messages were, what the good and the bad we picked up. Because as we learned last week, when we become Christians, we get adopted into a new family. We get a new family tree. We get a new eternal last name. And one of the things we do on earth is we spend our days following Jesus, trying to bring more and more of our life in line with what he wants for us. And since so much 
of what I'm talking about. So much of what is ingrained in us happened so early in our lives, most of us view it as self-evident. It's just the way the world is. And we believe Jesus offers a better way. That's why he adopts us. And I know for some of us, as I said last week, that gives great hope because you have no, <laughs> you are not fooling yourself in any way, shape, or form. Your, your life's mission is to not repeat the lessons and narratives and messages from the past of your family tree, and you live in fear of being able to measure up. Don't worry. That's why we have Jesus. And for those of us who have kind of been on the fence about why should we look back and do this, again, it's because these things happen so early in our lives they just feel self-evident. But they're impacting the way we love each other, the way we parent, the way we go about our careers, the way we handle conflict, the way we handle our emotions, the way we handle money. Every single area of our life is impacted by this. And Jesus is like, hey, 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 let's just spend some time. Let's see if, if, if I agree with this. Let's see if this is good. Let's see if this is helping you. Maybe if it's harming you, we can kind of move that out of the way. Maybe you've got some wounds. You've got some things from the past that you're still carrying. Hey, man, I'd love to help clean that up. I'd love, to, I'd love to heal that for you. So that the cycle stops with you. That's the goal. And the way we get there is the question we talked about last week and the question we're going to talk about today. What is my family tree growing in me? What are the lessons? What's the baggage? And to answer that question, we have to look back. And I stress look back because I know in a room like this, many of you are parents. And it's very easy to not want to look back but focus on the present. Oh, wait. What am I teaching my children? What am I passing on to my children? It's easy to focus on that and begin to panic. And look, I, I want to affirm that thought. Because, yes, one of the reasons we are going to look back and let Jesus heal us is so that we don't pass things on to our children and to their children. We're going to get there. Okay, next week is about moving forward. And in two weeks, I know it's a holiday weekend, but make plans to be here. Danielle and I are going to teach together, and we're going to teach on parenting. Okay, we're going to teach about how to make sure that we're building great family trees moving forward. So, so, so we're going to get there. Okay, so if that, that's a concern of yours, just we're getting there. But we've got to spend time here first. We've got to spend time looking back into our lives. We've got to allow Jesus to open our eyes to all the things, good and bad, we're carrying. We need 100% awareness so that we can choose to own our past. Because that's the only way we can hand it to Jesus. You understand this. We can't hand things to Jesus we don't own. I can't hand Jesus your burdens. I can only hand him mine. And so today it is really about building a framework for God's Holy Spirit over the next week to open your eyes to what your family tree is growing inside of you. And I'll go ahead and tell you, that's not a thing we can do in 30 minutes in this room. It's just not. It's going to take time. It's going to take 
you spending time with Jesus. It's going to take, if you're married, spending time with your spouse or spending time with your friends or spending time with your tribe or spending time with your community group or, or talking this out. Um, and in fact, we've actually created a resource that we're going to talk about at the end of our service that we want you to use as a guide uh, for the next week. Um, because this process of looking back is personal. It's between you and Jesus. All I can do is basically give you some parameters and then pray for you this week. And know that as a church, we have all the resources available to help regardless of what shows up. And so today, what I want to do is I believe God wants to prepare our hearts to look back. That's it. He wants to prepare our hearts to have the confidence, to have the courage, to have the assurance that we can look back and that we will be prepared for whatever we discover and that our God is at work. And so I want to do something a little different today. Okay, if you attend our church regularly, I'm going to do something a little different. Typically, my goal each week is to bring up a problem I have and you have and we all have, and I want to take you to one single passage in God's Word that shows you definitively how God has solved this problem, and if we just apply what he says and trust him, we, we can be free from the problem. I'd like to take you to one passage and do that each week, but today we're going to do something different. Today I'm going to take you to three specific verses. Because what I want to do today is, like I said, I want to prepare us to have the confidence and have the assurance that we can look back. And so I simply want to take you to three verses, and then I want to give you three truths that we can rest in from those verses that I hope give you the confidence and the clarity and the courage to take the resource we've created and spend some time this week inviting God's Holy Spirit to open your eyes and to open your hearts to what you learned in the past and be able to bring that to the present and say, okay, Jesus, what do you think? This was their way. Is it your way? It is great. It's not? Okay, will you teach me how to pursue your way instead of mine? Hey, Jesus, this was the message I grew up learning about success. Is this what you think about? It's not. Oh, okay then will you help me learn what you think success is? And I'll go ahead and tell you, even if you use our resource for a week, it's not going to be over. This is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong journey. Um, we call it sanctification. It's a big fancy word that means becoming more and more like Jesus and bringing more and more of our lives in line with what Jesus thinks. And again, we can't do that until we are fully aware of those places in our lives and our hearts that are out of sync with what he wants. So that, 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 that's the value of this. That's why we're doing this. So with all that said, let me take you to the verses, okay? First verse I want to go to is in Romans. It's Romans 3.23. And here's the truth. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And I know what you're thinking. That's a weird verse to start with. We start with this verse because we've all got to be on the same page about this. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, every single 
day. I have loved Jesus and tried to follow Jesus most of my life, and I fall short. I sin. Here's why this truth matters. Every single person in your family tree was a sinner that simply fell short of God's glorious standards. See, here's what I know about every single one of us in the room, especially those of us that consider ourselves Christians and we love Jesus and we come and we sing and we pray. We are doing our best to follow Jesus. And we still fall short. I believe before we begin to look back, we need to give our families the same grace we give ourselves. Your parents were sinners who were doing the absolute best they could, and unfortunately, they fell short. And guess what? Your parents were raised by people that were sinners that did their best every single day, but still fell short. And they were raised by sinners who did the best they could every single day, but they still fell short. So as we look back, we need to look back with that understanding, with that grace built in, that we don't look back to blame we look back to understand. Because there's only one thing to blame for our current predicament, and it's not our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents or our family tree. The blame lies squarely with sin. Sin is the problem. Sin hurts. Sin leaves wounds. Sin harms us. And some of us have been carrying wounds for 20, 40, 50, 60 years. And those wounds have shaped so much of our current reality. And maybe you're afraid to look back like, like, like I would be because you're afraid if you look back, it's going to change the way you feel about a certain someone or it's going to feel like you have to blame them. And, and again, that, that's why we start with this. Everyone's a sinner. We all fall short. We look back to blame sin. And in fact, if you really want someone to blame, you blame the author of sin, our enemy, Satan himself. Because it's all his fault. And that leads us to the second truth. And this one's a promise from Jesus himself. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, the thief's purpose, sorry enemy, is to steal and kill and destroy, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some translations say life to the fullest. Some translations say an abundant life. Jesus is making a promise to all of us who choose to follow him. I have come to give you abundant life. And all you have to do to receive that abundant life is believe in me, trust me, and follow me. And it is with that promise that Jesus invites us to look back, to see where sin might have affected us in the past. The sin of false narratives, the sin of closed-minded thinking, maybe the sin of abuse. 
as it was sin. And Jesus wants to take us back there again so he can heal it. Because whether we don't realize it or not, if we could attain the abundant life ourselves, Jesus would not have had to promise it. He says, I'm here to give you abundant life. But the thief, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And one of our enemy's secret weapons is generational sin. Grandpa did it. Dad did it. So I just do it. It's just the way I am. And we pass it on. And so here's what our enemy does. I want you to know his tactic when we start to look back. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So what he begins to do is tell you, it wasn't that bad. You don't need to look back. There's lots of people who had it worse than you. Just don't worry about it. Oh, really? Really, you know what they went through. You know how hard they worked, and you're going to look back and blame them? You're that ungrateful? See, the reason he wants to stop you from looking back is because that sin, those wounds, that pain you're carrying, he uses. He uses in the present to stop you from doing things. And here's the real secret. He's passing it on without you knowing it. We have no idea. We have no idea what happens when that generational sin keeps passed, being passed down to the next generation. As far as we can tell, Abraham, I think in the Bible it records maybe he lied two or three times. But then Isaac kept lying. And then Jacob kept lying. You think it ever crossed Abraham mind, Abraham's mind that his great-grandchildren would sell one of his great-grandchildren into slavery and lie to their dad about it? No. But that's what happens with our enemy because he wants to kill and steal and destroy. And for some of us, he taught us things. He implanted mindsets in us before we were even aware it was happening. And so he wants to do everything he can to stop you now. Because you learned success was measured by achievement and financial stability. And that was great until a few years ago when COVID happened. And you lost your identity. And do you know who laughed their head off at you the thief our enemy he laughed because he got you and he wants to do it to you and your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren but today the invitation is to say no as much as it is up to me it stops I want for myself the abundant life Jesus offers. I want to pass on the abundant life Jesus offers. And that means I've got to fully understand what's in me, what's affecting me that I'm not aware of. And I got to lay it at Jesus' feet. And I know for some of us, man, looking back is scary. There are things you've locked away. There are things you're like, man, I don't want to uncover that. I don't know what's going to happen. And if that's you, I want to take you to the very third verse, the third promise that we have to rest in. 
we have to have locked in our souls before we begin to look back. And it also comes from the book of Romans, and it's this, is that we know, those of us that are Christians, we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If you were here last fall, we did an entire series uh, called Under Pressure, where we spent four weeks trying to understand what this verse means and how it works. And so if you miss it, I'd encourage you to go back. But here's the beauty of what we discovered. Here's the beauty of our God. He is so good and he is so loving and he is so powerful that he can turn those darkest moments. He can turn that wound. He can turn that pain into something good if we let him. God can use even those darkest moments to mold us, shape us into the men and women he wants us to be. We sing a song here where we say, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it to good. I love that line. Some of you know that's actually a line directly from scripture. Some of you know who said it. For those that don't, I'm going to tell you, our boy Joseph the one whose brothers sold him into slavery. See, God was up to something in the intervening 20 and 30 years. See, Joseph stayed faithful to God. He honored him. And eventually, Joseph finds himself number two in control in the nation of Egypt, leading a feeding campaign because he's been told there's going to be seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. Guess what happens in those seven years of famine? Joseph's brothers make their way to Egypt because they need some food. And they find themselves before their little brother whom they don't recognize. Joseph recognizes them. Eventually he says, I'm your brother whom you sold into slavery. And they immediately get terrified. This is the moment. There's going to be retribution. He's going to attack them. He's going to pay them back. And he says, no. I'm not going to harm you because what you intended for evil my God intended for good. And in that moment, the cycle was broken. And a new story began to be written about Jacob's descendants, Jacob also known as Israel. His brothers, the founders of the 12 tribes of Israel. these people eventually move to the promised land and our Savior is birthed out. And it all started with deceit. It all started with lies. But Joseph said, no more. My prayer is that this series will be our no more moment. Jesus, we no longer want to live simply beholden to what we learned in the past. We want to pursue your future. And to do that, we need to know three things. Three truths to rest in while you're looking back this week. We just talked about them. Number one, no family is perfect. We're just not. Our Savior is. Number two, Jesus offers abundant life. He's the source 
of life. Again, not our families, not achievement, Jesus. And number three, Jesus turns bad to good. He can take the pain of the past and he can use it to prune us and dare I say, perfect us. To turn us into the men and women he wants us to be. And so my prayer for you and for me and for us is that we can rest in these three truths. We can look back because no family is perfect. There's something to learn. We can look back because Jesus offers abundant life. And the only way to know if we are receiving the abundant life is to look back and discover places where we might be out of sync with Jesus. And we can look back in confidence because whatever we discover, he is going to turn to good. And so it is only with these three truths firmly entrenched in our souls that we again find ourselves able to ask this question. What is my family tree growing in me? And I'll tell you, it's not an easy question. And as your church, we're here for you. Um, We've created a resource page for you. If you have our app, it's right there. Uh, If not, on the way out today, we're going to hand you cards with a QR code. And then you can access that resource page. We're going to add to it as we go. But for right now, that resource page has two things. Uh, One, it has a link to counselors. Um, If you feel like you would like to talk to someone else about this. Uh, But specifically for this week, we have a guide that we would love for you to download, pray through, and walk through this week. I'm going to tell you, it's not not something you can do in one sitting. Um, I'm not even sure it's something you should do alone. As I said, if if you're married, I would talk about this with your spouse. Um, If you're in a small group, I would talk about this with your group. If you don't have a group, you can sign up for groups today. But I really hope that you can rest in those three truths and you can take this this God we've created and and in prayer over the next few days, maybe read through it every day this week or maybe one section a day, however however you want to do it. But really make space for the Holy Spirit to take you back and begin to reveal any things that you're carrying, anything that's there. And then next week, we're going to talk about how we move forward. What do we do with what we discover? And I want to be very clear. We've created two documents. Um, The first one is for adults. Um, because if you're an adult in our church, you, you know, you, you, we want you to be able to do this uh, by yourself. We've also created a student version. Uh, but hear me, students, this is something you should do with your parents. This is something to do as a family. And I know that, that one of the interesting things about our church is that we sometimes have students who attend whose parents do not. And so if this is a conversation you want to have and you're uncomfortable maybe talking about this with your parents, then your tribe leaders would love to talk this through with you and would love to help walk you through walk you through this um, and again we've never really done this before I had to really pray this week about getting to this point and then just handing you a resource and saying go go do it um, and it was funny it was as I was praying about that God's Holy Spirit was kind of like hey Trey that's the way it should be every week I'm like good point you're right because I hope you understand that. Like, there's not a lot of change. There's not a lot of healing. There's not a lot of hope. Nothing can happen one hour a week. But let's be honest, one hour every other week, probably. This is okay. I understand how it works. 
It doesn't work that way. And so all we can do is set the table. All we can do is pray over you. All we can do is provide the resource and let you know we're here. Um, we're gonna, people are going to be in the blue room today. Uh, if you need prayer, if you, there's need someone you want to talk to, we're not, we're not going anywhere. Um, but this is a personal process. This is between you and Jesus. And I know for some of you this feels overwhelming, so I'd encourage you to come back tonight, just tonight or worship, just so that we can gather together, you can feel the love of your church family, that you can be empowered and maybe emboldened. Because I know it can feel overwhelming. Um, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and know your church is praying that over you. I mean, tonight is an opportunity to, to, to receive that and to be built up, to be prepared for what I believe will be life-changing work that your Savior wants to do in your, in your heart this week. So that's my challenge. Rest in the fact that no family is perfect. Jesus himself offers abundant life and he can turn bad to good. And when that is your foundation, I challenge you to download the guide today and set some time this week to get quiet, hear from your Savior so that he can open your eyes. And then next week, we'll learn how to move forward with what we discover has been growing in us. How do we take it to Jesus? How do we lay it at his feet? And how do we move forward following him? That's where we'll go next week. This week. Allow him to open your eyes. 100% awareness so that you can have 100% ownership so that you can lay 100% of it at his feet. Let me pray for you. Oh God, we love you so much. Um, and honestly, Father, we're, we're overwhelmed how intimately you want to be involved in our lives. We, we, we're overwhelmed with, with your love and your care. And, and so we just, we just pause and we, we say, speak. We invite your Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to open our, our minds, to open our hearts to the narratives, to the messages, to the, to the pain we might be carrying. Father, open our eyes this week so that we can lay it at your feet so we can be the cycle breakers so we like Joseph can move forward with a new pattern a new cycle because we're a part of a new family tree give us clarity this week give us courage and then give us a conviction to come back learn what to do with what we discover. We love you. We thank you. We know you have a plan and we can't wait to follow it. So in your son's name we pray.